0: Welcome to the Sunday Sermon Podcast of First United Methodist Church in Opelika. We'd love for you to join us for worship each Sunday at 8.30 or 11 a.m. To learn more about First United Methodist, visit us online at fumcopelika.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook at FUMC Opelika. Thanks for tuning in. scripture lesson this morning comes from Matthew chapter 1. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to take it and open with me as we prepare to study God's Word together. If you don't have your Bible with you, I invite you to grab one off the hymnal shelf or to use your phone, whatever uh, you need, so that you can have a copy of the Scriptures in front of you. I'll be reading Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and out of reverence for the Lord and His Word, I invite you to stand with me as we listen now together for the Word of the Lord. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. You may be seated. (coughs) Pray with me, please. Good Father, we give you thanks for your word, we thank you for your promise that it never returns void, that it is read and proclaimed, that you take it and use it for teaching and correcting and rebuking and shaping. And so, Lord, we ask in these moments that that is exactly what you would do, that by the power of your Spirit, that you would shape us and work in us, that you would form us, that we might live in alignment to Christ and walk in the ways that you desire. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Patrick mentioned uh, in the announcements that we are well into the fourth quarter of our fourth quarter mindset. Uh, If you've been with us over these last couple months, then you know that we are spending this last quarter of 2021 preparing well for 2022. And all we believe that God has in store for us as we renovate this building Uh, but not just renovate this building, allow God to renovate our church and our hearts and our souls and all that he wants to do. Uh, Back as we began uh, with our first commitment, we talked about serving. We spent several weeks talking about how lifetime followers of Jesus serve. It's non-negotiable. And now hundreds of us in our church uh, have committed to serve in 2022 and are in the midst of being trained and uh, figuring out what all of that is going to look like so that Uh, When we turn the calendar into January, we'll be ready to serve in a consistent and faithful way uh, here in the ministries of our church. Uh, After we talked about serving over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the why of renovation. We uh, connected the reason that we would go through all of the the chaos and uh, craziness that would come with the renovation, that we would invest the money and the kind of things that it will take to do this, uh, was ultimately tied to the mission of our church. Uh, that we exist to make lifetime followers of Jesus Christ. And that as we contemplated the various aspects of that, what we realized that there essentially is no cost that is too great, that we would not take it on for the cause of Jesus. And that if we can take on a step that will help us worship better and engage our community better and reach more people and make more disciples, uh, then we want to do it. And we want to be all in on whatever it is that God is calling us to Today we begin the season of Advent, and particularly we begin in our fourth quarter mindset, this last commitment, which as Patrick mentioned, is a commitment to be fully present. And just like he said a few minutes ago, we don't want you just to nod along and say, yeah, I'm ready to be fully present, because this is far more uh, than about the external action of what we're going to do, and much more about the posture of what it is that God wants to do in us. The commitment that we're making before God, the decision that we're saying to say we are covenanting to be present for all that God wants to do in our lives. I particularly like that we're doing this third step uh, in the season of Advent, uh, because Advent is this wonderful season in the church that helps us prepare for what God wants to do in our lives. It's like we've been using the fourth quarter of this year as an Advent leading into 2022 for, for several months now. The world, as you know, does not do Advent. Uh, all you have, to, have do, to do is to have gone into Lowe's in October to know that they were already celebrating Christmas. Uh, we skip right over Advent. We get to Christmas as quickly as we possibly can. Uh, and so we're not going to take our cues from the world right here. Uh, we're not going to rush to the celebration. We're not going to rush to the manger. We're not going to rush to the bows and the paper uh, and all the joy that comes with receiving the new birth without first stopping to participate in this ancient practice of preparation, of tilling the soil, of opening our hearts, of investigating and looking at what it looks like to engage this gift that God is giving in a fresh, full, new way. Ultimately, Advent is the season where we remember that we have a God who is fully present, Uh, that this God did not consider equality, that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he willingly gave it up, and he came and humbled himself so that he could be born Uh, even as a lowly servant born in a manger for you and me, that he became fully present for all of us, that we can receive the fullness of what it is that he offers to us through his life, death, and resurrection. In Advent, we also remember that that God longs to be fully present with us again and that we don't just celebrate the, the coming that he gave us in the birth in the manger, is that we celebrate that a day is coming when he will come again and be fully present to take all of us home where we will feast at the eternal banquet table for all time to come. It's easy in the season of Advent, uh, if we just follow the world's cues, uh, to kind of sanitize the Christmas story. Maybe maybe you've done this, or maybe you've noticed how it happens, that with all the kids in bathrobes and the cute nice uh, Christmas cards that you get and the the, the memes and all those kind of things, it looks so much more tidy and clean than it would have really been And I think what happens is if we tidy and sanitize the the Christmas story is that we miss that there is so much work and so much life and so much engagement that we can find in this place. I I think we tend to do this with the whole story, but I think some of the characters we tend to dismiss and sanitize more than others. Uh, Joseph is my favorite uh, because Joseph is this person that we kind of look at and we think Joseph's expendable. Uh, that really all we need for Joseph is that in the children's play, he just needs to get married to Bethlehem, and then he can fade off stage right. We don't have to worry much more about who he is or what he does or what he went through in the midst of this story. But if we will really stop and look at Joseph, if we will really think about who he is and what the Bible tells us about him, Joseph in some ways becomes a picture for you and me of what it looks like to be fully present with God of what it looks like for us to recognize that God is fully present and that sometimes that is hard to handle and that our response to God is to be fully present to Him too. Joseph would have been so excited about his upcoming marriage to Mary. Now, we should stop and say that marriage in the first century didn't look exactly like 21st century marriage does today, and the way that they did courtship and engagement and all of those things would have been different. But but it's also fair to say that there would not have been a young person in the first century world that uh, as they were getting older and knowing that that season of life was coming, that they wouldn't have looked forward to and anticipated uh, what it would have been like when they finally had the day where they met that person who would become their spouse, and then their families would work out how that was going to happen, and they would have this moment to celebrate that they were coming together in this new life together, and they would have gone off uh, and anticipated what was coming. And you can just see Joseph and Mary. Once their families had introduced them, their marriage was probably arranged. They had worked out all the details, but they were excited nonetheless. Uh, You can just see them being goopy and emotional and romantic everywhere they went. They probably texted all of the time. They were uh, probably always trying to hold hands or go on long walks together. I bet that they sat uh, on the swing uh, out in front of their house, uh, and they dreamed of how many kids they would have. And uh, Joseph said, I want two, and Mary said six, and they said, what about ten? And, uh, and they went back and forth, and they talked about, well, one day maybe we'll save up some money and we can buy some land out in the country. Uh, and then Mary said, no, no, I've always wanted a lake house. And, and so they began to dream of what their life would look like. I bet that Joseph and Mary had even already gone to uh, Target and to Bed Bath & Beyond and got that neat little scanner gun and registered for all the things that they hoped that people would give them at their wedding. The the season of engagement started in a different way than what we're used to. Uh, The engagement season was a, a legally binding contract. Uh, and uh, in the engagement season, they would have uh, committed themselves together and legally they would have been married already. But then there was a waiting period that, period that led up to the celebration. And during that time, Mary would have continued to live with her family and she would have been at home uh, with her family and Joseph would have come to visit often and they would have been there and they were anticipating and waiting for that day of the ceremony when they finally uh, would be joined together and they could begin their new life. This is the moment. This is the season that they were in with all of that anticipation and joy when Mary gives Joseph the news that she's pregnant. Now, it's easy in the Christmas card version and the neat and sanitized to go, oh, it's no big deal. It's Jesus. Uh, but it, this would have been the most devastating news that Joseph could have possibly received in this moment. I, I mean, this would have been soul crushing. I, I don't know what devastating news you've received in your life. I'm, sure that we could go around the room and that all of us have been through seasons where we have gotten uh, devastating news, whether it was a diagnosis or whether it was the loss of a job or the loss of a loved one. And we've been through those places where we feel like we've been punched in the gut and we don't know how to respond. Uh, Those feelings that viscerally begin to come back into your being right now, those are the kind of feelings that Joseph would have had. I mean, we can't imagine the amount of tears and grief that Joseph would have gone through uh, and the, the, the soul ringing and uh, wondering why. There would have been immediate anger and betrayal. Uh, there would have been a sense of, Mary, what have you done? Uh, and immediately, just like you and I would do in the worst situations that we go through, uh, Joseph would have begun to assume the very worst. He would have begun to tell himself stories about what in the world must have happened, and he would have been furious. This doesn't have anything to do with what the culture around them would have said too. Uh, As soon as the word got out that Mary was pregnant with a child that was conceived outside of marriage, uh, immediately that culture would have shamed her. Her family would have been furious. In those days when they had negotiated out what a marriage contract would look like, uh, she would have jeopardized all of that. Joseph would have wondered, would it be possible for him to ever be married again? I mean, there would have been all of this pain and hurt that would have come with this. It was a devastating time. Uh, and it would have been a place where, uh, where the, the, the realness and the pain of this situation uh, would have been more than we could even imagine. Joseph does what you and I would do in a situation like that. Maybe what you've done when you've been through those devastating periods in your life is uh, after kind of uh, taking the pain of the moment, you then begin to muster up as much strength as you can come up with and go, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to make a plan? So if it's finding a new job, you begin to think, well, who do I know? Who can I call? If it's dealing with a diagnosis, you begin to plot out the, 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 uh, the plan of treatment. You work through all these things. If it's grief, you go, to how do I get help? Where do I go? How do I make it through this? And Joseph does the exact same thing, that with the pain that he's been through, uh, he begins to make a plan. Uh, In that day and age, the Levitical law would have allowed for two different options for someone who was in a legally binding marriage contract uh, who was found to have done something that was uh, inappropriate in that relationship. Uh, The first is that Joseph could have required Mary to have been brought to the gates of the city where she would have literally been stoned to death. That was permissible in the law. He could have asked for that. The second option would be that if he wanted to take a more discreet way is that he could file a certificate of divorce that would be served to her and they would essentially annul the contract and she could go her way and he could hopefully get on with his life. Now, we don't know exactly why Joseph chose what he chose. The text tells us that he was a righteous man. He may have been angry enough to say that what he wanted to do was have her stoned to death, but ultimately he chose to say, I just want to be done with this. And so he made a plan. Uh, I love that in the the text that I read a few minutes ago, both in verse 19 and in verse 20, it emphasizes how much he is working to figure out what he will do in the midst of the struggle that he's facing, Uh, that he's coming up with what to do, that he's thinking about the plan, that he's trying to figure out how in the world will I deal with this. All of it was good to go he had his plan worked out. He knew exactly what he was going to do. All that was left was to have one night of sleep, and then the next day uh, he would go and he would serve notice to Mary, uh, and he would begin to get on with his life. Well, as it would happen, as the text tells us, that night as he was sleeping, Joseph received a word from the Lord, a, a vision and a dream, some kind of messenger that came and told him that this crazy story that Mary inevitably had been telling him about how the baby wasn't uh, from an inappropriate relationship, that it was God that was up to something, that there was something going on, that what Mary had been telling him was actually true. Uh, And that this crazy story that despite all the way that the response around them would have said was something that God was inviting Joseph to step into. That This crazy call that he was to wake up and to take Mary as his wife and to walk through this plan until this baby was born and that they would name this baby Jesus. And in the midst of one night, this messenger comes and speaks a word into Joseph's life and everything changed. Well, that's actually not true because actually nothing changed except for Joseph. You see, because when Joseph woke up the next morning, if you, you look, everything about that circumstance was the exact same. Uh, Mary's parents would have still been mad. Uh, the world would have still said they were crazy. Uh, everything about what they were doing was laughable. Uh, and the story still seemed a little bit far-fetched. Uh, when Joseph woke up the next morning, there was no billboard in the bedroom that said, all of this is true, go it." Go I don't know how you've been when you've tried to hear what the Lord is saying in your life, but oftentimes for me, it sounds like a radio with static in the background. And so he probably woke up that morning with more questions than he had. And yet something seemed to have changed inside him because all of the circumstances were the exact same. The story was still laughable and crazy. Uh, It was still this sense of uh, this devastating moment, but something had happened because Joseph had this encounter with God. Joseph had this moment where he was able to hear God's word, where he was able to connect with God in a deep and powerful way, and something inside of him changed. All of the circumstances stayed the same, But yet when Joseph woke up the next morning, he was willing to boldly and courageously step into a story that made no sense with the confidence that God was up to something bigger than what he had seen or assumed the night before when he went to bed. This is an amazing reality. What Joseph shows us in this moment is something that all of us need to learn and take home that we need to apply in our lives this Advent season and well into 2022. Because what we see with Joseph is that he went in one night from this place of detailed planning, his plan, what he was going to do, how he was going to manage the situation in front of him, to being changed by the word of God in his life, to now living confidently with faith into a story that still seemed ridiculous. Essentially what we can see in Joseph is that one encounter with God will change the way you live even in the most difficult situations. Let me say that again. One encounter with God will change the way you live even in the most difficult situations. If this is true, if what Joseph experienced is also true in our lives, then this is something that we need to take hold of. Because the way that you and I tend to live, not just when we face difficult situations, but in all places in our lives, the way that we tend to live is that we make our plans about how we're going to handle it. Uh, And then if we start praying, the way that we pray is that we want God to change everything out there. We want God to change all of the context. We want God to, to fix everything. Because we live with this belief that if everybody else would just behave the way I want them to, then I'd be happy. And so we pray that. We begin to say, if, if I could just get them to do this, or them to vote that way, or them to have worship at the time I want to, or go to Sunday school at the time I want to, or if I could just get you know my kids to do this, or my grandkids to do this, or my boss to do this, then everything would be okay. And what we see in Joseph is that that's not the way that God wants to work. That God isn't as interested in us trying to navigate the world around us to be what is comfortable for us as much as he's interested in working in us that we can navigate the world around us. That God longs to meet us, that he longs for us to live no matter the face of the struggles that we might have, whether it's good times or hard times, big things or small things, uh, that he wants to work in us. So that even though the context out there might not be any different, that we can navigate it in a similar way with faith and confidence that God is up to something much bigger than what we may have perceived when we first encountered the situation. If this is true, this makes all the difference in our lives. Because one encounter with God can change the way we live, even in the most difficult situations. And if this is true, we need to be increasing the way that we encounter God. We need to be saying not how do we fix everyone else or how do we wag our finger at everyone else or how do we talk about how we wish people would do things differently. But instead, we need to be saying how can we encounter the real presence and the real word of God in our lives? Because as we increase the frequency with which we encounter the presence and power of God in our lives, then our lives will begin to change. And no matter what our worlds may be filled with, no matter what you may be facing today or tomorrow, we will navigate those things better when what we anchor ourselves to is encountering the presence and the word of God in our lives so that we can navigate the context of the world around us. I wonder what your life might face in 2022. I wonder what your situations are. Maybe they're a devastating situation. Some of you may be going through uh, gut-wrenching, painful things even right now. For others of you, you may be looking at what the year ahead has or how you'll navigate the holidays. Maybe there's a, a big decision you're facing about retirement or health or finances or maybe all those things are crammed together. And you're facing the, the struggles of the world around you. And you fi- find yourself to have been in the place that Joseph is in of making a plan and beginning to figure out the way you'll navigate this. And I wonder what it would look like if, as we celebrate this God who is fully present to us, if we made a commitment this Advent to be fully present to Him. That rather than working on our plans and how we'll deal with the context and the circumstances around us, that we said we want to increase the frequency with which we're encountering the presence of God, that we want to increase the frequency that we're encountering God's Word connecting into us at a deeper, more soulful level. Because if this is true, one encounter with God can change the way you live, even in the most difficult situations. That's why we're making a commitment this Advent to be fully present. That's why we're making a commitment to be fully present in worship and in growth. It's not just because we want attendance numbers to be good while we're renovating the building. It ultimately really isn't even about that at all. It's about the fact that God wants to prepare us for anything. That God wants us to be able to navigate the ups and downs of a renovation project and the ups and downs of life in the world. And the way that we'll navigate those things, the way that we'll face those struggles and succeed through them is by increasing the frequency with which we are encountering God and receiving His Word. So frequently, we say that our faith or God is the most important thing in our life, and yet it gets the dregs of the hours on our calendar that aren't filled with other activities first. And the challenge that I'm calling you to make is not to wait until that Saturday night in the spring when you were up late at a wedding reception or when you went to a party or you had been out of town, but to decide today that you will be fully present. To decide today that you want your life to look like Joseph's life. To decide today that you want to increase the frequency with which you're encountering the life-giving power of God. Because that's how we'll navigate the world around us. One encounter with God will change the way you live, even in the most difficult situations. And so as we prepare to come to this communion table here on the first Sunday of Advent, I invite you to begin that season of prayer about whether or not you'll be fully present today. I invite you to begin that season of prayer as you receive this broken body and shed blood for you to remember how present God has made himself for you. And then as you receive that gift and spend a moment in prayer, assess what your response to him will be. Pray with me, please. Good Father, we give you thanks for your faithfulness and your goodness. Lord, we thank you that you love us and that you pursue us. And Lord, we thank you that no matter the circumstance around us, that we don't have to change it. That if we will press into you, that you will change us. And so, Lord, we invite your work in our lives. We invite your presence to to touch us in very real ways. We invite your word to connect into our souls at a deep level. Lord, I can't begin to imagine the struggle and hardships that the people in this room must face and yet what we see in Joseph is that an encounter with you will change us that we might navigate all we face and so Lord would you do something in us would you draw us into a deeper awareness of your being fully present with us and Lord would you help us take the step to be fully present with you that we might know the fullness of the life that you have before us, no matter what the circumstances around us may be. We pray in Jesus' name.